0: Your positive positive, Positive. imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive actions inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Hello, this is Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive achievements inspire positive thought and action. Exceptional people rising to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music and learn more about him at chrisknoll.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Visit my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can follow the podcast. There are buttons to take you to some popular podcast platforms. You can also follow my show from your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, etc. Remember, this is a free podcast, Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Today's guest, who is a voice for children and youth, said these words. Children are the future of the planet and we have the fundamental right to a life of dignity. 20-year-old Kahikasha Basu is an activist world-renowned for her work as an environmental activist and youth leader advocating children's rights. When she was 16 years old, just four years ago, she was named the recipient of the International Children's Peace Prize. So this honor is awarded yearly to a child who has made a significant contribution to advocating children's rights and improving the situation of vulnerable children, such as orphans, child laborers, and children with HIV AIDS. It is truly impressive, and this award, My gosh, Kehekisha, truly impressive award. Kehekisha continued her global service as an echo warrior mitigating climate change through many methods, including tree planting. She promotes gender equality, and her global services and hard work have been recognized, and she's been honored with more than a dozen different awards, global awards. And I can't name them all, but I want to name just a couple of them here. Back in 2012, the Korea Green Foundation Award. In 2014, the Kids Are Heroes USA Award. And in 2015 and 2018, the International Princess Diana Award. Today, she continues her global services with Green Hope, a climate justice organization that she founded at age 12. So impressive. And I am thrilled to bring such an inspiring, strong young voice to your positive imprint. Kahikasha Basu, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, very happy to be here.
0: You have such a background and I want to start in your very early years and you have so many years ahead of you and so those imprints are just going to expand from one person to another as you continue to walk. The earth with so much of your heart and soul and service to our planet. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Right now, you're in Canada. And of course, I'm outside and the beautiful mountain behind me. It's cool. I'm in gloves <laughs> and a coat. And you're in Toronto, your home.
1: Yes, that is right.
0: And so when did you come over to Toronto?
1: My parents lived in Toronto. Dubai for many many years. I was born there and I've been coming up to Toronto ever since and yeah when I decided to set up my organization in North America I decided to live uh, here permanently and coordinate headquartered here and coordinate our other uh, 16 country chapters.
0: What is life like in Dubai?
1: yes Dubai is what taught me to be a global citizen, to be where I am today if it wasn't for the positivity that was instilled in me, looking at the visionary leaders, looking at how people interacted with one another and how equal and tolerant the society was and still is. So Dubai is amazing and we continue to have a very active presence over there and in the rest of the United Arab Emirates. And the reason I love Dubai and Toronto as well is because both these cities allow you to be who you are and really help you to become global citizens who accept, love one another and look at different challenges as one's own. I grew up in a country and in a city where you had like in my school itself you had like 80 nationalities and I think that you have around 180 nationalities, 185 nationalities who live in the UAE. And it was amazing for me to be able to learn about different cultures of the world, as well as the local culture, and see how it all came together and how different festivals were celebrated, how different different kinds of foods, how it was the, the love for the environment despite being a desert country was also instilled in children and young people and how much the government did to keep to help their citizens and ensure the happiness of everyone so it it was really amazing for me to grow up in that environment it uh gave me so much positivity and hope and i started my work when i was 7 years old and i wouldn't have been able to be where I am today or even start my work if I had been living anywhere else. And I truly believe that as a seven-year-old, the positivity I saw all around me in my family and in the country, I was able to uh, channel that and start my work to create positive impact all across the world.
0: Kahika Shah explains why she decided to take this journey at the age of seven.
1: I saw the image of a dead bird with its belly full of plastic when I was seven and I was uh, absolutely shocked and deeply saddened by this picture because I knew that there was something really wrong with it. It shouldn't have happened. And I decided that there had to be something that could be done that I could do to stop this from happening again. And it was also around this time that I attended a lecture by environmentalist Robert Swan. And his words, the greatest threat to our planet is the belief that someone else will save it, really resonated with me. And that was when I decided that I had to do something to make a difference for my community and for my planet.
0: Kahikasha would begin from the grassroots of her community. She began a campaign for sustainability and for the preservation of wildlife. During her campaign, she found an age group that was missing.
1: So I decided that my journey would start with me planting my first tree on my eighth birthday. And I'd like to add here that my birthday is on 5th June, which is World Environment Day. So I always felt that I was preordained to become an eco-warrior. But the dead bird's image really gave me that spark. It's not to say I didn't do anything for the planet or the community before that. I did because that was the environment I grew up in with my parents and uh, in my city. But yeah, the dead bird made me want to do something on my own and start uh, creating change that way. And then I started going around to my neighborhood shops, restaurants, beauty salons, talking to them about how they could move to more sustainable ways of living, both in their professional and personal lives. I started conducting workshops for my, my fellow children and talking to them about what they could do to adopt sustainable living as a way of life. And then I worked tirelessly on the ground for three, about three years When I was 11, the UN somehow caught hold of what I was doing and I was invited to my first UN conference and that was my first step into the international arena. And the following year, in 2012, when I attended Rio Plus 20, and at that time that was the largest environmental conference with 50,000 delegates, I was 12 years old and I realized that as the youngest international delegate and the youngest to address a press conference, I realized there was this severe lack of inclusivity of children in the sustainable development process. And that prompted me, when I returned home, to start Green Hope Foundation so that I could provide other children and youth with a platform to learn about the sustainability challenges and then take actions to mitigate these problems. And today we have members in 16 countries and have been able to reach out to over 100,000 youth worldwide. I started in Dubai and I asked like five of my friends if they wanted to be the first members and we started going around and continuing our ground level projects and we developed an advocacy tool called Environment Academy or Sustainability Academy now where we were able to impart the knowledge that we had to other children and youth, our age younger, older, and be able to engage with them. And I'd also like to mention here that it was also when I was 12 that I got elected as the global coordinator for the United Nations Environment Programme, major group for children and youth. And that gave me an even wider perspective and insight into uh, the international field of sustainable development and allowed me to connect with young people and just people in general across the world. It's extremely important that we do not leave children behind in the sustainable development process. We listen to the voices of children and youth. We do not use them in a tokenistic manner, but actually recognize them as members of society who are our present and future. And it is absolutely crucial that we reach out to the farthest first and truly make sure that we have that empathy and the drive to bring about positive change everywhere by leaving uh, no one behind. The children were much more receptive to what I was trying to tell them. And that was when I realized that there was this kind of like age barrier, I guess. And it was very surprising to me because my parents always asked for my opinion and treated me as someone, who, someone whose opinion counted. And I thought that, you know, this happened everywhere. And I realized, obviously, that's not the case. And then I, as I continued my work, I started receiving death threats. I was cyberbullied. I was stalked. I still am. All of these things still happen and threats of physical abuse to my mom and me. And all of these things made me realize that if you're trying to do good work and on top of that, you are a child, a young person, a woman and a woman of color at that, you're going to face like uh, 10 times more no, more challenges than uh, a person in general would face. And then I also when I became global coordinator, I also faced tremendous harassment from some of the older youth and That also uh, made me realize that even within the children and youth fraternity, there was a lot of negative tension that was very toxic to children. And that is one of the main reasons why I ensure that at Green Hope, we create safe spaces for everyone and for the children, because most of our members are minors, so that they can actually pursue their dreams and not to see age as a barrier but something that helps uh, us to like helps propel our work forward and recognizing the positive impacts of having a young person and a child in within your organization and in your work. That lack of open mindset is really a challenge and for me I never let it deter me because I was extremely I still am obviously extremely passionate about my work and I had my honesty, my hard work and my positivity and my passion on my side. And I knew that if I had these things with me, no one could stop me. And slowly and steadily, I also realized that whenever you do good work, there's always going to be naysayers of of some kind of the other. Honestly, my work is more important than anything they could ever say. When adults used to tell me that you know, it's something that you'll just stop doing, or like, why should we listen to an eight year old telling us to uh, stop wasting food or uh, telling us <laughs> to do something else, maybe or save water or something like that. I just was like, you know, there different people have their opinions. And I'm sure that with my work, I will be able to prove to them that uh, what I am saying is right and good for our planet and community. And I also had and have a very stable support system in my parents. I was scared, but then and my parents even asked me that, are you sure you want to continue because it's a threat to your life? But then I also told them that, you know, it's something that I love doing. And I, as a person who had the resources to stay safe and had the support system to fall back on, if I can go through something like that, there are millions of other children and girls especially who are going through what I went through and much worse. So to stop that from happening again, that is another thing that Green Hope really focuses on.
0: You made the statement that is pretty profound. Children are the future of the planet and we have the fundamental right to a life of dignity.
1: leaving no one behind and achieving a life of dignity for all is something that is so critical in every area of sustainable development.
0: Kahika Shah mentions the SDGs. Those are the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations.
1: So I think that I said this right after the SDGs were adopted, I think in 2015 or maybe 2016. And it was based off of my work that I was doing in marginalized communities. So that's one of the main areas of work of Green Hope as well. And then we relate all of the areas of sustainability and focus especially on those who are usually left behind and don't have that right uh, to a life of dignity. We try to change that. We work specifically and implement the SDGs at the ground level with marginalized communities like the children in the Syrian refugee camp in the Rohingya refugee camp, homes for children of prisoners, children with HIV AIDS, or children in orphanages, on the streets, the destitute, all of these people and children, especially who are left behind and who are, whose plight is not talked about, or if it's talked about, nothing is actually done to rectify that in mainstream discussions. So we decided that at Green Hope, we were not going to forget them. We were not gonna leave them behind and we had to make sure that they were a part of this process. And none of the, these goals, the SDGs can be achieved if we don't involve, if we leave them behind. So it we work with them and ensure that they too are a part of this process. And at the same time, in urban areas, in developed nations, we work to ensure that education for sustainable development is integrated into the school, school curriculum And then the children are able to take ground level actions outdoors and within their classrooms as well. So, Green Hope partners with different education boards around the world for that. So, in the Canada, Middle East, Suriname, yeah, we have our partners there with the education boards. For example, we are partnered with the largest school board in Canada, the Toronto District School Board, and we provide the children with free environmental education so that they too know about their planet and how they can take actions to protect it. And of course, reaching out to the children in the marginalized communities, most of them don't go to school, so they don't know how to read and write. Most of them don't speak English. And there are additional social strictures, especially for the girls. So there we use non-formal and sometimes formal methods of communication through music, art, dance, drama, sports, sports fashion, and writing to spread awareness. And that really helps them to come out of their shell, engage with us, engage with one another, and express their ideas in a way that they would not have been able to do with language being a barrier, not just between us, but also because a lot of them, like in the Syrian refugee camp, for example, a lot of the children were so traumatized from what they had seen in the violence that they'd faced that they did not speak. And after that, this eight-year-old boy who hadn't spoken in a year came up to the front and rapped about his experiences. And then later the lady in charge of that area told us that that was the first time he'd spoken in a year, and I felt that it was so powerful to be able to use these methods of communication and actually be able to reach out to them. And they are tools for education. It's not just speaking and talking at someone. It's about engaging them and seeing what works best for them. And the other thing that we work on is that we work on localizing the sustainable development goals and the solutions because it is so important to recognize the unique challenges that each Country, each community, each, each area and region faces, I think media plays a very big role in uh, promoting like just one solution ninety nine percent of the time coming from the Western world and then promoting that as the only solution to different problems and that's obviously not the case. We're seeing that very much in the youth uh, sector right now, but what we do is we work to localize the challenges and the solutions work with the children to help them identify their local challenges and then come up with solutions to solve their unique local challenges. So recognizing the intersections between the amongst all of the goals, sure, but also recognizing when and where to implement each SDG.
0: And we're looking for solutions, but in order to find solutions as you said you have to find ways to reach them the intersections are going to be multitudes of intersections with the work that you're doing and i love that you mentioned that kids don't have to learn traditional ways they can learn from fashion and music and art and they do and i want to bring up because this is part of of what you were talking about and I have listeners that have, have heard Mac Bailey on my show, and they know his work, but I have new listeners that might not have heard this episode. So what you're talking about is with this boy, this eight-year-old boy, who didn't speak because he was traumatized by the violence, but through song, he was able to, to put his thoughts out there in song, and that was therapy for him. And you started something with that boy and and you just will never know the impact because it's, it, this child obviously is going to continue to grow and he's going to continue to remember that music allowed him to have a voice. And I don't, I mean that in both ways, a voice physically, and then a voice in the sense of, I have my opinions, I can share them now because I do have a voice. But Mac Bailey does music therapy with veterans, mm-hmm. with PTSD, which is what this child has. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: A child anywhere in the world, whether they're on, in no man's land in the Syria Lebanon border or here in Toronto, they instinctively love nature and want to do something to help the planet. And I remember we were in the Syrian refugee camp, this little girl, she was telling us about how she had a beautiful garden back home in Syria and how the war destroyed that. But despite not knowing where where their next meal would come from, she decided that she, along with her friends, when the weather became uh, warmer, she would try to plant trees around her camp to make it green like her garden back home. And back here in Toronto, one of the little girls who was, I think, six years old told me that if you do something nice for the environment, the environment will do something nice for you. And that is such an important statement because it simplifies uh, everything and really makes us think that, you know, what are we doing? And it also makes us think about our connection to Mother Nature. Yeah, and the other thing that I just wanted to say very quickly before I delve deeper into some of the projects and the ways we teach the children is that we also teach them about how all of these issues are interconnected and how sustainability is not just about the environment. It is about the environment, economy and the society and the intersections amongst these three pillars really help to create that ultimate sustainable change. That, again, ties in with localizing the SDGs and implementing it at the ground level. So on the environmental side, which also ties in with the social and economic side, we have taught children through our ground-level projects. We've planted more than 110,000 trees worldwide. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been absolutely great, and we love it. It's, I think, the favorite activity of many of our young members. We have planted over uh, 5,000 mangroves worldwide. We have cleaned up over 200 beaches, parks, ravines, cities, city uh, public spaces. Again, globally, we work on turtle conservation. I think we've recycled over 200,000 kilos of waste. And that is just on the environmental side, but I say it relates to the society and the economy as well, because some, many of the communities that we work in through tree planting, through recycling, waste segregation, they're able to learn about how they can keep their societies cleaner, how they can, the trees that they grow, this is in Bangladesh in particular, we're doing this right now, how they can have the trees for food, for shade, for different, helping in different areas of their life. We also work on equality gender equality so in bangladesh we are working currently with the children and the women in the slums of uh, the country and we provide during this pandemic we're providing them with sanitation kits so not just masks gloves and uh, like other sanitary items but also sanitary napkins for the women and girls because in many of the families it's considered a taboo so we teach them about why it's important that is used and how we can work towards having adequate sanitation and hygiene resources for women and girls everywhere. And we also provide workshops on how the women and children can protect themselves from violence and sexual assault. And then in terms of the economy, we work on, well, regenerative circular economies everywhere in all of our countries, we teach our children through the SDGs about all of these different practices. And in the marginalized communities, and again, I'm citing Bangladesh's example, we are giving poultry and fish and organic seeds to the women and girls so that they can create, like, earn an income and also try to bridge that wage gap that exists o- over there between the men and the women. So, having sustainable sources of income. And yeah, around the world, even in our developed urban spaces, it's about what the children can do to not just mitigate climate change, but work on biodiversity conservation, how they can work to make their classrooms more tolerant and equal, how working on all the issues, actually. And during this pandemic, we have gone entirely virtual. We have conducted over... 30 webinars, these are high-level webinars, bringing the voices of UN officials, government officials, the former president of Ireland, and many other amazing people to civil society and the children. And one particular example I'd like to cite is for International Day of the Girl, which was on 11th October, we had our celebratory webinar just before that, Our moderators were 11 and 12 years old. They were our children's board members. And we were able to get the voices of young girls all under the age of 18 from Liberia, from Suriname, Canada, India, Bangladesh, literally all across Yemen, UAE and Oman from all across the world. But there was this one thread that ran in common between all of them. And that was that women and girls face violence everywhere, every day in different forms and that we face discrimination. And that is also another thing that ties into our work because people impacted most by uh, environmental and climate change induced disasters are the women and children. And that creates a lack of peace. And that is another thing that we work to address. And currently, we are working on disarmament education, getting more and more children and youth involved in the nuclear disarmament process, because we firmly believe that is not a topic that is just for adults. So that is kind of the work that we do. And there's a lot more. But yeah, in short, that is what we do.
0: Are these available? Are these recorded and are they available for anybody to listen to from your website?
1: Yeah, they can access it on my YouTube page. If they literally type in Kekisha Basu YouTube, they would be able to access it. And we do put it online so that people are able to learn from the wisdom of these amazing people across the world who've done so much. And we actually had a series called Women Impacting the World where our world's most amazing women were featured. And we asked them about their journey and how They overcame the challenges that are unique to women across the world. So, yeah, they are available and uh, people can definitely watch them. It's K-E-H-K-A-S-H-A-N-B-A-S-U. And you can just type YouTube after that.
0: How many are on your team there at Green Hope?
1: Mm -hmm. So we have... 2016 members globally and as i mentioned at the start, we've reached out to over a hundred thousand young people in 25 countries
0: so awesome so is it a foundation where you accept donations
1: how is it run monetarily yes we do accept uh, donations and again going back to the point of young people being used tokenistically we have a lot of companies who say that oh yeah we love supporting young people, when it actually comes to supporting their work, they don't do it. And yeah, so funding has been a huge challenge for us as a youth-run organization, but now slowly and steadily, the mindsets are changing. So we run on donations. We have grants. We have people who literally come into our lives like an angel and help us out with their projects. The honorariums that I receive when I speak at different uh, conferences. I donate that entirely to Green Hope. If we win an award or if I win an award, that all goes to Green Hope Foundation. So that is how we run.
0: Okay. And how can people find Green Hope on the internet?
1: Sure. So it's www.greenhopefoundation.com.
0: Oh my gosh. Kahikasha, you are incredible with this Green Hope and all of the initiatives that you have put together and to help make change. And you are definitely, I think Toronto names you the woman of change.
1: Uh, I was the youngest recipient of Canada's top 25 women of influence.
0: This is well deserved. And if the other 24 are doing the same things, not the exact same things, but if they're this active, then we have a absolute fabulous group of women worldwide, and of course, they're in Canada, who are reaching out to provide, not just leadership, but like I say, voices and change.
1: And I'm really thankful that we've been able to continue creating positive change and making a positive impact, even during uh, these trying times. Majority of our uh, audience has been extremely passionate people from across all sections of society across generations. And I'd also like to add here that Green Hope, we firmly believe in intergenerational solidarity. So we've conducted many workshops for people in in retirement homes. And one such uh, home is here in Toronto where we conducted a workshop for this home where you had former priests and nuns living there and who were activists when they were young. And it was absolutely amazing to be able to listen to their stories and for them uh, to see how excited they got when they saw what uh, we were doing at Green Hope with today's children. And they are some of our most active attendees because they literally attend all of our webinars uh, and like how they they too can contribute and get involved. So we have our youngest members who are like nine, ten older generations who have worked, dedicated their entire lives to bringing about positive change.
0: Have you ever read the book, The Moment of Lift? It's by Melinda Gates. She talks about her work, her foundation's work. When I think about the moment of lift, and I do these recorded conversations with people on, on my show, everybody seems to have that moment of lift Time and time and time again, because they see things in the world, and then they have that. Oh my gosh, we have to do something about it. It's that moment of lift, and that moment that's going to lift you to the challenge. And I certainly commend you, and you are able to really make a difference. And mindset is is one of the hardest.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I completely agree, and we have seen how difficult it is to change the mindsets of uh, people. And it's much easier with children, because uh, children are not born with the same cynicism and discrimination that is somehow ingrained in society. I do not know why, but they're, uh, with why it's ingrained in society like that, it's horrible. But children are thankfully not born with that. And they have the ability to love like no other, whether it's their peers or someone across the world or even mother nature. The older generations uh, are actually much more receptive than some of the older youth we reach out to. And it's like, yes, it is difficult to change the mindset, but we get there. And of course being able to break down some of the barriers that were blocking our path to sustainability, but we still have a very long way uh, to go. And the moment of lift as you're talking about, I, experience that every single day because there's so much that i want to be able to do that we at green hope want to be able to do even like understanding that all of these issues are interconnected i started by planting a tree sure but i slowly and steadily realized that there are so many other issues that our world is facing whether that is threat from nuclear weapons or whether that is gender inequality or, you know, droughts, and that cause famine. So it's all of these issues I see every single day that propel me forward, even going to the refugee camps. One day, I just realized that we are all sitting here watching the news on TV. And you have these images of the refugees, like just uh, floating past, everyone's talking about them, but no one's actually reaching out to them. And I realized that I wanted to be able to bring that peer-to-peer communication to them, and that is when I went into that war zone with four of our four other members. We were five of us who went in there, and we decided we would bring about change. And that has always continued for all of us, and even today, like even like right now, I was I'm sitting here and thinking, okay, what more can we do? We've done a lot, sure, but what more can we do?
0: Shaw and Green Hope have received countless prestigious recognition awards over the last 13 years. This is what Kahika Shah has to say:
1: None of the work that I do is for the awards. It's because I love doing it. But the recognition that I receive or Green Hope receives is a way for us to have a greater platform to, for people to recognize the work that is being done by children and youth across the world. And I think that is really important because it brings about greater awareness.
0: I'm so happy for you and I'm happy for humanity that we have a voice such as yours and that we have the organization Green Hope that, as you said, it it does provide a platform to share and not just share, but to implement educational curricula around the world. And I, I just love Melinda Gates words. All of this is because of your moments of lift is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to go back and discuss
1: I would like to mention that a lot of the times as children and young people we're told that we're not lucrative to have people invest in us and oftentimes we're treated very tokenistically so I just wanted to add that at Green Hope we work to dispel those myths we try to break do more to break through that barrier and make sure that youth are not used tokenistically, but recognized as members of society and it is my hope that eventually we are able to have everyone adopt sustainable living as a way of life
0: well so i hope that you're able to see change i know you already are seeing change but i hope that you see change in less than a lifetime
1: Absolutely, I completely agree, and that is my hope as well. That we are able to bring about positive change and create a more sustainable world as soon as possible,
0: because we do need. It. We do. We do.
1: I'd like to ask everyone to ask themselves what have what they have done to help their planet and their community, and their conscience will give them the answer, and that will prompt them to go out, step out of their comfort zones and act to make a positive difference.
0: Kahikasha Basu, thank you so much for sharing your positive imprints and for sharing your moments of lift. You're inspiring and your voice is absolutely amazing. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It was wonderful
0: talking to you. Visit GreenHopeFoundation.com to learn more about their initiatives. Please follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Visit my website, yourpositiveimprint.com. Follow or subscribe to this podcast now. Your Positive Imprint. What's your
1: P.I.?